here and talk with Shannon and Kathy. It's summertime. You know what comes with summertime? What? Monster Palooza time. That's right. Yeah, we're getting excited because when you're hearing this episode, I think it's just maybe like two weeks away, one or two weeks away. So we're pretty excited. Did you see, Kathy, they announced the party that they're doing on Saturday night? I saw that. Yeah. They always do a little weird party and it's a girl band who plays acdc they're an acdc tribute band that's all female i was like you had me who was the tribute last year was it kiss i think it was kiss wasn't it yeah yes that was so much fun yes i just thought it was a great twist because that's all women and you see the pictures of the angus impersonator and of course it's a woman but she's got the like oh that's awesome i have to look at the pictures i'm looking forward to seeing that yeah (laughs) we're doing the whole weekend this time, which starts Friday night. And um, I'm excited. There's some good stuff there. I'm a little disappointed about Bruce Campbell. You said wasn't going to be there, but uh, there we are very excited to see Mr. England among your boyfriend, Kane Hodder and, and some others. So (laughs) yeah. yeah. I check in with Kane every year, you know? Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not stop by and be like, it's been a year. I thought we'd talk again. (laughs) Way back to last year. (laughs) We had a nice chat with him last year, though. He was pretty funny. He's such a nice, he was so nice. I mean, he's yeah. he's a nice guy, but he's also like a really straight shooter, a really direct Oh, guy, he is. Which, which yeah. I actually really like. He's like very yeah. no bullshit. So you can imagine how, how that goes when we have yeah. conversations. Our little brief, you know, two minute interaction which was which was fun and i he was trying to remember what movie he was in with jamie kennedy he's like i know that guy who was right next to him right <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right jamie kennedy was like in the booth signing he's like why do i know them why do i know him and shannon and i are like he was like i keep looking over <laughs> i don't know let's let's help you look it up so we went on his imdb kathy's like let's google that's it really funny and then he walked away to a, from us like in the moment impulsively he's like oh that's who it is hold on and then just like walks away and goes and shakes his hand i'm like all right I'll, i mean i'll be here yeah <laughs> I'm not we're not going anywhere kane yeah we have nowhere else to be nope yeah. no it's all about you brother uh, so oh, yeah boy. i'm looking forward to that we're going for the whole weekend it's pretty cool can I can I bring up something I you may just stumbled upon, which I really have no feelings about. I just want to process why it's called this if it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I can't wait. Quite the setup. It's been a couple of weeks now since we since we record ahead of time, so this is now probably a month old. But hundreds of members of the Satanic Temple will be in Boston this weekend for SatanCon, and organizers will say it will be the largest Satanic gathering in history. So it, it was sold yeah. out. Um, I wanted to do a little bit of, of just digging on what this was, but ironically, a Christian event called Revive Boston was like being held right down the street at the same time. So <laughs> there's a truck outside of the Christian con or whatever. I'm making that up. It wasn't called Christian con, Revive Boston. That, okay. that <laughs> There's a truck that says no after school Satan clubs at the same time. So I'm looking this I'm looking this up though, and I thought this was pretty cool about what the these these folks support. I'm just curious as as to why they call themselves satanic if if it's used as more of a provocative word to be anti-Christ, because to me, what they are supporting 
is actually the traditional Christ-like, if you don't follow the church, like who Christ was taught to be, right? So, you know, the the guy says, um, it's a, one of the guys who's in part of this group, he says it's actually about supporting human rights. Right. It's about supporting women's bodily autonomy. It's about freedom of religion, freedom from religion. It's not about a literal Satan. It's not some 1980s horror film. And to me, like, and again, I'm not going to sit here and proselytize or anything, but just to be clear, like when you take Christ away from the biblical religious Jesus, that's exactly who Jesus was. He like left the church, loved women, believed in equal rights. So I just think it's funny, ironic funny that we just equate this type of behavior with like antichrist when it's like, that's not really what that was. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I grew up in the satanic panic and all of that. So culturally we're coming from a place of like Satan worship and all of that. You know, we just did a, an episode of kids who were paradise lost used of being Satan worshipers and killing little boys. Mm -hmm. And it, wasn't true. And if you know any people that are actual Satanists or whatever they call themselves nowadays, I have absolutely no idea, or the Church of Satan, they'll tell you it's really nothing about that. You know, like Satan was a fallen angel. Yeah, it's just really funny that they they still call it that because I could see if it was like anti-religion because it's these religious affiliations that are like, can't have any equal rights in anything. Yes. So it, it's just really interesting how things are worded or interpreted but it is pretty cool. I mean, there's an interview with this guy and he talks about um, how Satanism is a very misunderstood religion. A lot of people think, you know, we just pick the name Satan out of a hat to troll Christians or something, but we honestly don't care what anyone else thinks about us. So we're not doing anything to troll anybody. So, yeah. you know, I guess it's just their own, but some of the pictures from it, this guy is dressed like yes. Gary Oldman <laughs> yes. in Bram Stoker's yeah, Dracula yeah. With, the, with the glasses. So I would bet, that it's really kind of kind of cool to see all, uh, how everybody shows up dressed and just the culture around it to me would be really interesting yeah. to just be a bystander to all this but it sounds like it's a very peaceful pretty cool kind of thing well and i met i i don't know anything about the church of satan or or that practice so i can't come i can't i don't think either one of right. us can really Same. comment from an uh, from an informed place on it right if we're saying anything that offends you because you're a part of that we're sorry we just don't know anything about it yeah it's more just out of curiosity i just i'm just curious about it yeah yeah of course and i and i think the same goes for like wiccan people who are wiccan you know there's mm -hmm. a lot of misconceptions about that quite sure. a lot of misconceptions oh, about that gosh. about yeah. that philosophy so you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think next we're going to do a something we like to call <laughs> Number One. This film was first <laughs> called The Birthmark before its final title, which was renamed Blank. Number two. All right. Halloween is known for using the image of the skull. What does this symbolize? Church of Satan. Yes. No. That, that's the answer to all of this. Or nipple. All of these. Or, or nipple. <laughs> or or Egyptian mummy. Those are usually my answers. Okay. <laughs> or the Lost Boys. Or the Lost Boys. <laughs> Number three. Chronologically, Alien Resurrection is set how many years after the original Alien film, which was set in 2122? 
Okay. So alien resurrection being, I believe, number four. Yeah, that's the one with the with the alien with with the aliens. Jesus, <laughs> with the underwater aliens. That's the one with the aliens. Oh, that one with the underwater aliens. <laughs> <laughs> number four. Before filming, the director Phillips told Joaquin Phoenix that he envisioned Joker's laughter to be described as what? And number five, one of the earliest concepts for the aliens in the movie Alien was to use what? Oh, like for the aliens? Yeah, what were they going to use as the aliens? (laughs) For aliens. (laughs) Shadow puppets. And the answer is quite amusing. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. It's more amusing than shadow puppets, I imagine. Okay. It it actually is. (laughs) All right. Let's start with, I believe you saw Evil Dead Rise. Oh my God. So excited. Okay, I just want to, I know Shannon talked about this on one of our last episodes, so I won't, I won't belabor the point here. But uh, I will have to say that this was, to me, one of the best real, just raw horror films I have seen in a long time. I think that the ensemble cast was fantastic. I think it was cast so well. I think that, first of all, I really cared about the characters Lily Sullivan, who plays the sister, was unbelievable. Alyssa Sutherland, of course, was as well. But Lily Sullivan was outstanding. The kills were amazing. There was enough of an homage to, you know, Mr. Campbell and his chainsaw and all of that without it be, with that, with it still remaining its own film. I can see them taking this franchise into something. But I, my partner and I went and saw it in the theater and we were just like, Oh my God, that was so fucking good. I have not gone to a horror movie. I just want to, I just want, here's my disclaimer. I respect everything that Jordan Peele and the Babadook and all of these really new great horror films that have politicized horror and made it so much deeper. But sometimes I just want a just slashing, disgusting, blood ridden fucking horror film. And that was this. Yeah, a lot of blood. Yeah. Oh my God. I loved it so much. I love body horror much. Yes. It's a, it's, I said to, I said to my partner, I'm like, we're, we're purchasing this one. Like this is one I could have on in the background and just be amused by it. I really enjoyed it. It sounds like it would be maybe your favorite of the franchise. Um, I think, well, here it is. That's an interesting question. I guess I went into it skeptical because if you're a deadhead, (laughs) you know, you 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 love it and you're wondering okay what are they going to do with this franchise with Bruce and and Sam being you know obviously they're producers on it they they hopefully that means they believe in it and all that but you just don't know it's it's removed from the rest of it and you go into it hoping it's going to be at least decent and i think that for me it, i i just had so not low expectations but i was like okay i just hope i come out of it at least liking it and i thought that it it really it showed up yeah so yeah i really liked the 2013 one so now i've got to really like go back and watch that one and then watch this one mm-hmm. again and kind of just make my decision about like what, what which one i okay. really felt i liked more because i don't really yeah. think you can compare these two to the older one you can't like there's it's such a different feel i realized people mm-hmm. do like people say oh you know evil dead rise is my favorite except for the og and all that i just don't think it, it it's completely separate they're very different <laughs> So mm-hmm. they have different tone. They have different voice. It's such a different era. There's 
far less comedy in these. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's a deeper it's a deeper story where you know the, Bruce his stuff is very like tongue in cheek and a lot of dark comedy. But I think, and that's why I say it's an interesting question because I don't really think I could compare. I was just hoping it was going to give the Evil Dead name some justice, and I think that it it did. So yeah. For me, I'm just comparing against the 2013 one, and then 13. we'll see if they do. Yeah. We'll see if they do more, which would be nice. I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it. Awesome. I did. It was so much fun. Well, and those are such fun, like theater experiences too. It's really fun to see it. In people were loving it. I mean, it just and I saw it on the theater too. Yeah, so. people in movies yeah. like that. I remember seeing the first Scream and in the audience, and no one, you know, Ghostface wasn't advertised anywhere so that first screen the first shot where he's on it was like it was this huge energy and and that's why i'm so glad that the theater didn't die after covid because it just gives you something different yeah the theater will never die i saw renfield i did too let's talk about it okay let's talk about it we're gonna try to do it with no spoilers okay. but I think for our uh, mini cast, for our patrons, we'll probably do some some spoilery stuff, maybe with both movies, maybe with Evil Dead Rise and Renfield and whatever else we ended up seeing that we don't know about. So Renfield is 2023. If you live under a rock, it's the new Nick Cage movie. So having grown sick and tired of his centuries as Dracula's lackey, Renfield finds a new lease on life and maybe even redemption when he falls for feisty, perennially angry traffic cop Rebecca Quincy. So it's a love story and Nick Cage plays Dracula. <laughs> so I gave this film four stars and I rarely do that. I really liked this movie. I did too. I thought it And was I know you and I were both skeptical about it as well. We were because I had read just, you know, I hadn't seen any trailers, but I saw a trailer when I went to see Evil Dead Rise and I saw a trailer. There was a movie right before that that I saw too. So I had seen trailers, but that didn't really give it away. I had already read didn't. other people's sort of take on it and I had seen some negative negative things. So I was just like, okay, some people liked it. Some people didn't. It sort of seemed like my people liked it, you know, like people I know are in our genre and are very, you know, well-informed in horror, like sort of seemed like they liked it. So I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit more hopeful now. I la I thought it was hilarious. Like I laughed a lot. I cared about the characters. Nick Cage was in it way more than I thought he was going to be because people had sort of said like it was a cameo. It's not a fucking cameo. He's in the whole movie. It's not a cameo, but he does play a smaller part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. he's not the lead because he's Dracula. No, the lead is Nicholas, Nicholas Holt, right? Well, yes. And yeah. Renfield, meaning the title yeah. of the movie is the lead. Right. And he's really great. And I love him. That story is I cared about them. But of course, can I just give a really quick uh, shout out to uh, James Moses Black, who plays uh, the cop? He's uh, he was a good friend of mine years ago. And I remember when he was at the beginning of his career and I didn't know he was in it. And so when I was watching it and he he came on as the cop, I was just like, oh, my God, James. He was he was great in it, I thought. So it was really cool to kind of see him That's awesome. on the big screen like that. Yeah. That's awesome. I thought everybody was really good. I thought it was very funny. And I just thought it was a fun ride. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was a horror movie. So there are horror elements to it. Mm -hmm. But it's I just really enjoyed it. It's a movie that I would throw on and watch 
any time. So I took the risk of buying it because I'm like, it, it at least looks fun. So we just bought it because it was like a $5 difference to buy it or rent it. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy it. And I've already watched it twice. And it, it's obvious, it's obviously also a fun play on codependency and narcissistic abuse. So, you know, using the, the vampire as the metaphor was really great, but they do it in a way that it isn't serious. It's kind of tongue in cheek. And so I thought that was really clever. More so I'll add to some of the things because I share all the same sen- sentiments as Shannon, but to add to some of that also, the cinematography was great. The bright colors, the sets. Uh, Aquafina was flipping hilarious. Um, I like to see her in that role as the cop. I thought she was great. But cinematically, I think the the that very last fight scene was so much fun. It had like kind of a Kill Bill slash uh, the guy who did Pulp Fiction. What was the vampire one that they did with George Clooney? It had that kind of feel to it at the end, that type of fight scene. It, all of that was really fun to watch. It was very action-packed. Nicholas Holt was hilarious as Renfield. I agree with you, Shannon. Like the characters, you really liked them. And I thought I thought Nick Cage was great. I thought he was funny. He was, so he was fun. good. He was great. He, I mean, I like him, so I am biased, but I also thought that even if you're not like a massive Nick Cage fan, I think he's really leaning into like what you mm-hmm. want from Nick Cage in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last 10 years, he's taken a lot of chances. I really love that movie Pig that he did, which was much more mm-hmm. of a dramatic role. The movie that he did with the guy from Mandalorian, Pedro, uh, was really great and fun. It was an action movie. So like he's been taking a he's lot blowing of- blowing up too. Yeah, Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. Like He's been making a lot of different, like really fun choices, which I- I think that's the freedom of age, quite honestly. But this is him leaning into Nick Cage, quote unquote. So loved it. So I, I think I, I'm glad we get we both gave it that chance because I, I think it's going to be one that kind of goes down as a, a fun little sleeper classic. I don't know. Absolutely. That's good. Absolutely. So let's talk about the book that we just finished. Uh, We finished a a book for our book club called Head Like a Hole by Andrew Van Way. What did you feel about the book? I really liked this book. I did not expect at all for it to go the way that it did. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, honestly. I didn't know what to expect, but I certainly didn't expect this. But what I really like about it, and you've talked about this various times when when you talk about just writing styles of books in general, that there tends to be this, during that arc, there's a midpoint in the book where you kind of lose interest for a minute. I think what the book was really good at doing was once it got there, it turned again. And then it turned again. And then at the end, it turned again. So it kept me really hooked in. I think the horror was horrifying and I thought it was really good and gruesome and definitely scary and the characters were well developed some of the under the political undertones of of I don't want to give too much away but I think that it was all done very clever and it kept my attention and I read it pretty quickly honestly I know it was paced reading but I went through those weeks pretty quickly yeah I agree you know we do some paced reading for our book club you can do that or or sit down and read it all at once if you want and like obviously we don't control you you can read it however you like but we I do set up some paced reading so that people can sometimes it's just easier to know like okay like I'm gonna get through this but for this book I was always done early with the week. Me too. And that's not always the case. Of course, we've had books that we didn't mm-hmm. really like or just books that were denser in the ideas being presented. And so you had to take more breaks. And I will say that this is more of a horror mystery. So there is horror, but there's a mystery going on. And so that fuels 
I think, wanting to read more because like you said, the climaxes and the little beats of the story are hit really well and they're twists and turns. And so you go in this other direction, like you said, you don't expect that really played with the sort of mystery thriller component of this, but it is absolutely solidly a horror book as well. And I just, the mixing of those two genres, I felt like he just did this a great job of making, of hitting those moments and making it a really well-paced read. And it wasn't something I had ever heard of. So I was, I liked it too. I also saw this new ish it's a 2022 movie and it was a it was a i don't think i went to sundance but it was a festival movie and it's called Husera the bone woman and it's spanish and it just came out on shutter so you guys can watch it if you have shutter i've been hearing about this movie for like six months so i was really happy that it finally dropped because i did want to watch it Valeria's joy at becoming a first-time mother is quickly taken away when she's cursed by a sinister entity. As danger closes in, she's forced deeper into a chilling world of dark magic that threatens to consume her. Now, we've watched a, a lot of movies a lot, um, like this in the sense that it's an offering to mothers, babies, pregnancy, and that trope. However, I will say that it is nothing like other things I've seen on that. It's not a, it's more of an, an art house horror. It's obviously Spanish. So there's subtitles, but much more along the lines of, I'm not going to say it's as good as hereditary or, or, but more in that vein of like, it's very atmospheric. A lot of the time you may not have any idea what's going on. I do think it would resonate with women who know that in our lifetimes there is often a thought of whether motherhood is right for us or not mm -hmm. and whether or not we want to live with a regret of not having kids or a regret of having kids because we one knew that motherhood wasn't what was really right for them and so the cultural piece of doing what's culturally expected and then the ramifications of that. And so that's the highbrow idea you're dealing with that if you watch this without hearing this, you may not have picked up on that at all. I'm not sure. I think it, I think it's obvious, but eh, metaphor. Hmm. So just as a horror movie, it's atmosphere 75% of the time. And then trigger warning for bone breaking. Okay. She's called who's Sarah, the bone woman. So there's a metaphor going on there, but there is certainly in the, like I say, like the last 20% of the movie or the climax and all of that, there is some bone breaking, but it's not like a evil dead rise bloodbath and horror <laughs> hit, you, hit you in the face gotcha. kind of horror movie. Yeah. It's not one of those. It's okay. uh, I, I felt like it was a solid watch. I gave it three out of five stars because I think, I think a lot of people, if that's a question in your world and you watch it at the right time, that it could hit you in a very kind of emotional, thought-provoking way. And if that's not a question that you've ever contemplated, I'm not sure that the horror uh, or those elements are strong enough to engage anyone else. I just don't know. So I, uh, it's interesting you bring that up. I'm going to talk about a, a different movie that I watched. I'm going to talk about it on the next um, episode, just because it's, it, it's, it's eerily close to what you're talking about right now. Okay. But uh, I think uh, 
it shares a lot of similar traits and I'll talk about it next week. I, I real quickly, before we get to the end of this though, just want to also mention that if you haven't watched season two of Yellow Jackets, it is the darkest series I've ever watched on television, but Shannon may laugh at this if she hasn't started it yet. It is a, it is a shout out to our Ms. Teal Swan. And there is a, a big piece of that involved in season two. And they do a very good job at casting a woman that I think is really supposed to be that character. Got it. But also just so y'all know, if you haven't started it, it's very good, but it's a little bit, I, I have, I've had some, I had some issues getting through it. It's the most gruesome and, and just it, they, they're, it's unapologetically dark more so than I think a lot of these other shows out there that have been that or have been supposed supposed to have been that I had to stop it at times. It's, it's, it's fucking dark. Yeah. And it gets darker in season two. Not a bingeable for you, but definitely mm -hmm. worth it. It's a very good, but Christina Ricci is the only little bit of comic relief and she's fucking awesome in it. So <laughs> thank God for her. So anyway, <laughs> thank God for her. No. And I wanted to mention really quickly before we get the answers to the facts is that I followed up and watched Kids versus Aliens. Oh, okay. I know mm -hmm. I know you had watched it. And you're right. It's a lot of fun. I didn't enjoy it as much as you mm -hmm. did because I know that's really up your alley. And, of course, my mind the whole time was sadly comparing it to Psycho Gorman, which is like yeah. I've seen like four times now, and I just loved it. You can't, you can't beat Psycho Gorman. Yeah, you right. can't. Right, but it is in that vein. And so... Uh, yeah, I, it was a lot of fun. I think it's worth a watch. Like you said, will I personally throw it on again? Probably not, but I definitely, I probably won't either, but I definitely think it's, you know, worth a two or three stars, just like solid watch. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So we're going to do a little thing we like to call the answers to. <laughs> it is somewhere. That's horror facts with cat. <laughs> Okay, uh, number one, this film was first called The Birthmark before its final title renamed. The Omen? <laughs> yes. <gasps> what? Yes. I know, yes. I just thought of the first movie that had a birthmark. Oh my gosh, I feel proud of my guess. Because he had a birthmark on his head, 666. I, I, I mean, it was a total guess, so. She's so proud of herself. I'm proud. Number two, Halloween is known for using the image of the skull. What does this symbolize? Rebirth? That's a good guess. It's the fragility of life. Number three, chronologically, Alien Resurrection is set how many years after the original Aliens film set in 2122? Mm, I don't remember, like 200 years or something? Close, 257. Oh, okay. That seems fair, right? Let's jettison into 2300. Let's do it. I mean, aliens were swimming. Right. <laughs> Number four. Yeah, I mean, very logical. Very logical. Although it is, that was a really cool film to watch how they created that tank and they did the, the effects. The movie wasn't the greatest, but the effects were great. Cool. Uh, before filming, the director, Phillips, told Joaquin Phoenix that he envisioned Joker's laughter to be described as what? Mm, I don't know. Hyena? Almost painful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess what I interpret that to mean is it's like his pain comes out in his laugh. Like it's like a sardonic kind of. Yeah. yeah and you kind of see him almost cry laughing right in the yeah. movie. Yeah. On the bus, that scene. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. Um, number five for, for the movie aliens. One of the earliest concepts for the actual aliens uh, was what? I don't know, but I want to hear. Uh, orangutans on roller skates. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> I, I'm imagining that's not in the documentary about the making of it. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe they didn't. I have an idea. We're going to get orangutans and we're going to put them on roller skates. They were going to use monkeys for gremlins. Uh, here's $1 million. That's all, that's all I have. That's all I have. <laughs> that's all I, I retire. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard because the creative process is not supposed to be public. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like ideas and creative process is supposed to just be spitballing. And then mm -hmm. you, and then your movie becomes like an icon. And then every fucking thing you ever said is now correct gospel. Not supposed to be that way. Anyway, all right. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>